0: See to the daily walk and it's a Wednesday and we've finished yet another book in the Bible if you're going with us this year again through the daily walk. And today we finished the book of Exodus. And there's a lot of key factors in Exodus which is the story of the people of Israel being released or not so much released but delivered from Egypt. By the deliverer, Moses. And so that song we introed with, Trusting God, they really gotta trust in God. Cause how many times have we been in oppression? And, you know, I have someone close to me that's dealing with some oppression. And I really believe that this person, you know, they get into their circle of influence and they are the light (laughs) and the people look to this person for more uh light and i believe that in their presence of this person this person really delivers them from the oppression that they face each and every day so you know maybe you're called to be a deliverer so let god use you in that way So let's get into some things that really spoke to me in the book of Moses, or the book of Moses. It is the book of Moses. It's part of the five books that make up the book of Moses. But we're in Exodus, and it is the story of Moses. It starts off with, you know, how uh, the people of Israel grew and grew and grew and grew in the land of Egypt, and Pharaoh dies out, the good Pharaoh dies out, joseph has died out the people have grown and a new pharaoh's in and he is not a nice one and he feels threatened by the people that if they keep growing they're going to try to tell the egyptian people what to do so he puts them under slavery acts so to speak and he has them building and making bricks for their own building projects and they got slave drivers to do that, right? So that's what the story starts out, puts us in context that this is the oppression the people of Israel are under now because Joseph is gone. He's not there to protect them. So Pharaoh, there's a new Pharaoh, and he's evil. He's hard-hearted. He's not nice. He calls himself God. And they are oppressing the Israelite people. Then... Because they're making babies so fast, he orders that all the Hebrew babies be killed when they're delivered. Well, the Hebrew midwives can't do that. That's not what they do. So uh, he notices that they're still being born, and so he sends other people to do it. And Moses' mom, this is where she hides him in a basket in the reeds, you know, and we get the story of where, uh, Pharaoh's daughter finds him and then they see, she sends off to find somebody to nurse him. And it happens to be Moses's real mother. And so Moses comes and he is raised in the Egyptian household and he's given this name, Moses. And so what's really interesting about this story is he grows up, right? And, uh, he sees an Egyptian mistreating a Hebrew, and he hits him harder than he figures. You have to think this was semi-accidental, and it kills the Egyptians. So he buries him in the sand, and then two Hebrew guys are fighting, and he tells them, hey, you guys, come on, why are you fighting each other? You're supposed to be friends to each other and so they call him out on it you know and here's Moses living the plush life because he's uh considered Egyptian because he's in the house of Pharaoh right and these two guys are under the slavery act because Pharaoh's making them do all the slavery acts and they said what are you gonna do to us you're gonna kill one of us like you did that Egyptian well that freaks Moses out right So he thinks, oh, no, Pharaoh will hear this. So he leaves and goes to another country. So here's the thing. He was 40 years old when that happened. 40 is a big number in this book. 40 is a big number with the Israelite people. 40 is huge because guess how many chapters are in Exodus? If you haven't read or you're reading with us, there's 40 chapters in Exodus. Moses is 40 when he leaves for the land of Midian. And guess what else? He's over there for four decades when God calls him to return to deliver his people. And this is where we get the story of the burning bush, you know, and the bush is consumed by fire but not, or it's all in fire but not being consumed by fire. In other words, it's not burning up to ash. It's just got flame. Could you imagine that? And then it starts talking to him, and that's where the Lord tells him to take off your shoes for the ground you're standing on is holy ground. And that's where we get the first initial look at the I am because you know he tells Moses hey I want you to go back I want you to free the people uh, you're going to deliver them I've heard their cries I've seen the oppression I don't like it I've seen how Pharaoh treats them so you're going to deliver them and he gives him the plan you know about the plagues he tells him how he's going to show him. use your staff to see it turn into a snake see it the really cool thing is when you know Moses is checking him like who me and he's like, yeah, and, and he says, hey, stick your hand in your cloak, and I'll pull it out, and it's all withered, you know, and now stick your hand in your cloak, pull it back out. And it's well, right? This is really cool because this reminds me of when Jesus heals the man at the temple with the withered hand, you know, because that's the time. This is the time when Jesus heals the man with the withered hand in the Gospels, that one thing that Jesus did is what triggered the religious leaders into wanting to kill him. And if you read that story in the Gospels, which we'll get to eventually, you know, we get to the Gospels in October if you stay with us, or you can go read them. I read the Gospels. I read them all the Gospels through each week along with this. And that's for my own reasoning, okay? But here's the thing. Jesus didn't say anything to that man. He just said, hold out your hand. So why is that triggering these religious leaders like he's working on the Sabbath? You know, why? because they know the only way that can happen is through the power of God, and God is working through Jesus, and they're in such denial that Jesus can do that. So we see this in Moses. Not that Moses is denying God, because that's where he gets the I am, tell him the I am sent you is where Jesus said that, or where God tells him to sell him that. But we see it with Pharaoh, because the stuff that Moses can do that his... that his magicians can't do. Pharaoh gets to the point where he says, okay, you can go, but then he always changes his mind. And his heart is hardened. We look in the New Testament, we see that with the religious leaders, their hearts get hardened. See, a lot of us today, we see things that only God can do, and we don't want to give him the credit for it because we get ruffled and, And why did that not happen for me? My expectations weren't met back in such and such a time because I prayed. But here's the thing. In in John 9, it says, we know that God doesn't hear the prayer of sinners unless they're ready to worship. And when we pray with the wrong intent for selfish endeavors, God doesn't hear it. God wants to hear the prayer of somebody in a worshipful, heartfelt, penitent mindset that says, I need you, God. I can't do this on my own. And what Moses goes before Pharaoh and what he says right before God is, and he says this in Exodus, I can't do this. And God's like, you're right, you can't, but you can with me. And that's what Jesus and God are trying to let us know is we can do all things through Christ. Woo-hoo, I'm excited about this. Who strengthens us? And God's telling him. You tell them the I am sent you because the I am is working through you and the I am is going to give you the power to do this. And Paul writes in Ephesians 3.20, what great power you have working through you that you can do things, and I'm paraphrasing of course, and you can do immeasurably more because he's working through you. Because he hears us, when we humble ourselves and say I can't do this without you Lord, and that comes out in Exodus. I just think that's so cool, that's so cool. So it's four decades later, so we got 40 he goes to this land in Midian, and then 40 years later he's gonna go back, so now he's like 80, right? But guess what, so now he leads them out of, they go through the 10 plagues, right? And they get out and they go to uh, the wilderness and they're getting ready to go. To, they get up to the banks of the Red Sea. And, and you know, they got the Egyptians because, you know, Pharaoh changed his mind again. So he sent his best people, his best warriors, best chariots to follow him. And the Lord's got the pillar of cl- uh, cloud by that leads them and the pillar of fire that is behind them you know that leads them by night and it all moves behind them to stir up the dust and stuff so that the israelites are protected from the egyptians right and they're standing at the banks of the red sea and moses is like lord why'd you bring us here if all we're gonna do is die we don't want to do that. Then the, the Egyptians are going to just think you brought us out here to be slaughtered by them. And you know what God says? This is so cool. So many times we pray like that. We pray, you know, God, why is this happening to me? I've been crying out to you, and it's and I know you, you will help me, and I know you can do all things. But why is this happening to me? And you know what he said to Moses? He said, Moses. I've given you the things to help you now use them, you know, and he's like, huh? Hold your staff over the waters. And so he holds his staff over the water and then the waters of the Red Sea, you know, as we know it part. But you know what's even more cool about that? is they didn't just part and leave him a big, mucky, muddy ground to walk through. They parted, and the ground was dry, Exodus tells us. And they walked through on dry ground, every single one of them, and the light of the pillar of fire led them. Can you imagine that? It lit their way. There's times where the Lord wants us to believe in him so much, but he wants us to use the tools he's given us to do what our part in the story is so that we can see that when we trust in God, I trust in God, my Savior one. Yeah. And we use what he gives us. Remember, I talked about it on Sunday, if you saw, he he gives us all power, and authority. Jesus said in in John 14, verse 12, that he has given us all authority and power, all the things that he does, and more will be given to us. Woo, that's exciting. But we got to trust in him enough to do it. Think how much trust it took. Hey, man, I'm walking between these giant walls of water. I hope they don't fall on me. Think about how much trust in God they got to do that. I mean, I would be scooting across there. I wouldn't be strolling. I'd be moving quick. And then the cool thing is they get across, and then the enemy's trying to come after them, right? Because they've been doing it. And as they get across, God tells him, hold your staff out again, and he holds his staff out again, and all the water comes in over the enemy, and they all perish in the water. So they sing a song of worship to the God they trust. Why wouldn't you trust that? So they get over there, and they've seen this great miracle, right? They've seen this great thing, how God delivered them, and you think they would be so good, but then they whine about not having food. They whine about not having water. So that's when we see the water come out of a rock, and we see the manna come and the quail come, and God challenges them on obedience and that, and he sees how they're kind of waffling. And and so they're in this land that's just wilderness. It's not really the promised land yet they're in between right so they're in between with no real guidance so the lord calls him to mount sinai and says hey i got to give you some guidance right we look at we look at rules and regs like do's and don'ts but really i mean i coach sports and in every sport i coach there's some guidelines and i get a book from the organization of those sports i coach that gives me the guidelines and it's called a rule book and we don't balk at it we just see what our limitations are in that sport if we look at life god's given us a guideline book to tell us hey this is what you really need to do to live a fruitful life can we look at it that way it's to be a fruitful follower of the lord jesus christ who is the son of the living god And at this point, they don't have that. Which is really utter chaos. Right? I don't know if you ever watched a basketball game where where there is no officiating, but it's really out of control. So they bring the officiating in to keep it in control. So, if we do this, and we have some guidelines. He gives him that. So he calls him up to be there. He gives the people specific guidelines, right? Guess how many days he's up there? 40 days. God writes the Ten Commandments on the stone tablets with his own finger. You know, and they didn't even have touch screens back then. God did the first touch screen on a stone tablet, and we don't even realize it. But, you know, he's up there 40 days, and the Israelite people, even though God's just delivered them from the Egyptians, they're out there, he's just giving them all the food they need, all the water they need, and they think, where is this Moses? Give us a different, give us gods from Egypt that we can worship. They gotta see. And I'm like, really? What more do you need to see? God has just shown you how powerful he is. And I think about that all the time in our life because, you know, I have family members that that don't believe like I believe, but yet they've seen how what we believe manifests right before them. They've seen how God has provided for us. They've seen miracles God has done in our life. They've seen God in life in front of us. Maybe not the God image before us but they've seen god do things and we've all can think back where god has done things and he's right there before us and all we got to do is just realize that's god john 21 when the nets get real full after the lord tells them you know to put their nets out when peter and james and john are out there and the lord jesus sees them on there and asked him if they caught anything and they said no he said puts them back out so they the nets get so full john says it's the lord because he knows they didn't catch anything till he said something so it has to be god you know i i when i started college i didn't know i was going to pay my tuition and when I went to call them for an extension so I could have longer to pay. They said, oh, no, yours has already been paid by an anonymous donor. And I'm like, it's the Lord, you know, and I'm weeping because I'm telling my wife, we know this is God's will for us then because if it's already paid, you can't deny this is what God wants for us. If God has brought them out of the bondage in Israel, why would he want them to be bound by the false gods they got already? And so they gather all this gold and stuff. And Aaron, who's supposed to be Moses' right hand, man, is the one that's doing it. And he makes that golden calf, and Moses comes down with this new covenant of the Ten Commandments and all the things that God has said, and he smashes it at the foot of the mountain, which represents a broken covenant, because they've broken it. One of the first commandments in there to have no other gods before me, they've just broken it. And, you know, when he approaches Aaron about it, Aaron blames the people. But, you know, Jesus talks about in Matthew 24 and 25 how many will be deceived because the leaders will mislead them. Again, I'm paraphrasing, but it's on the leaders So God, you know, is wanting to totally destroy them, but Moses intercedes for them, and he convinces God, you know, that's not what you brought him out here for. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because God was willing, God was ready to destroy the whole people and start over with Moses. And Moses said, that's not what you brought him out here for. Just, you know, have mercy, have mercy. And God had mercy. Once again. So eventually Moses goes back up on the mountain to get new a new covenant on new stone tablets. And when he's up there, what is so cool about this? You know, he gets all the instruction for the tabernacle, he gets all the instruction for the priests, he gets all the instruction for how to worship and everything, you know, it's really cool, and it's all inscribed on the stone tablets. And he's told where to put them in the Ark of the Covenant and how to build the, the, the tent of meeting, which is their tabernacle, which is, you know, they're going to take with them and how to build all that. It's so cool that the presence of the Lord was so about him when he came down the mountain after 40 more days, there's another 40. When he came down, his face shone so bright that they, they asked him to put a veil over his face. So he wore a veil. Can you imagine? What if you showed so bright with Jesus that you didn't necessarily have to put a veil over your face, but people knew that you were aglow with something new in your life, that people wanted to know, hey, what's different about you? what's different in your life man because you are just glowing wouldn't that be cool (laughs) because god has made such a difference in your life that you just glow this person that i talked to you about earlier in the podcast that is representing jesus like she's the most i just gave away the gender she's a deliverer of the people that are in oppression in the workplace that they're at i'm telling you man When that person walks in, the glow of Christ is about her, and those people look to her for the light. That's the light. See, Jesus says, I am the light, and anyone who lives in me has the light about them. And Moses is that light coming down, and the people see that, and it's so bright that it's there. And you know what Jesus also says, it's in John 3, that people who, are in the darkness, stay away from the light for fear they will be exposed. So perhaps these Israelite people know there's something that they don't want exposed, right? Because we know the story continues. We get to that later, right? In Leviticus and Numbers. Okay. So they get all the instruction for the tabernacle and they get all the instruction for the Tent of Meeting, which is the tabernacle. And they build it just the way God told them to. Because by now, man, they know, hey, we better not mess up. And they build it. What's so cool about this is, you know, it's got this inner place where they put the the Ark of the Covenant and it's got the cherubim in there that are surrounding it. And the presence of the Lord hovered over that place. And anytime the presence of the Lord filled the tabernacle or the tent of meeting like that, so fully, they knew they were in the place they needed to be. But when it lifted, that said they had to move, right? Can you can you just put that in a personal perspective? When the presence of the Lord is so full amongst us or you and me individually, then we know where where we should be in his presence. But if it should lift and we're not in its presence, in his presence, then perhaps it's time to move. Perhaps it's time for us to move and make sure we go where he wants us to get closer to him, to get back in his presence. And that's what they're gonna have to do, is when it lifts, they have to follow where he leads it to be back in its presence, in his presence. And that's where we end up in Exodus is Jesus, or God, sorry, God is hovering over the tent of meeting in his presence. But when it lifts, they know they have to move. Be in his presence. And if he's lifted, move to where he is because we know we can't do it without him because we have to trust in God. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you at the end of Leviticus. Enjoy.